My name is Matthew Shabath. I'm an associate member in cancer epidemiology at the uh, Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida, and my preferred pronouns are he, him, his. In 2015, our group here at Moffitt um, published a few formative papers regarding the LGBTQ population in, in relation to cancer. And first, we published a commentary regarding the importance of disclosure for the LGBTQ population in the cancer care continuum from primary prevention to secondary prevention all the way to tertiary prevention. So really the importance of this population disclosing their status. And um, our commentary stressed the importance that this is first an at-risk population and by coming up with culturally sensitive and time-appropriate points in their cancer care for disclosure, it's going to hopefully reduce cancer care disparities across the continuum. And we urge the need for providers and institutions to create environments that um, encourage disclosure. And then this was followed by a high-profile review paper that we wrote in the CA Journal for Clinicians. I mean, this was a review regarding the published research pertaining to cancer and the LGBT population. And what we found was there was very sparse data regarding cancer in the LGBTQ population, but the data that was available was pointing to a clear cancer disparities for very specific cancer types. So from there, that's really where we sort of launched this initiative, really focusing at this point on the healthcare providers, uh, in, in particular to measure knowledge and attitudes and practice behaviors regarding the LGBTQ cancer patients. Because if we you begin with the cancer care providers or the healthcare providers, that's really sort of the starting point to help narrow this gap regarding cancer disparities. This survey was uh, originally developed based on um, previously published surveys uh, related to SGM and health. Uh, we went through a pilot study here at the Moffitt Cancer Center where we conducted the survey with our oncologists. Um, and then based on feedback that we received from oncologists, the, the process was vetted and revised through our researchers, what we call a cognitive debriefing process, uh, where we basically just lock oncologists and researchers and stakeholders in a room and go through it and work on what needs to be added, taken away, what needs to be tweaked. So that's, that, that's how we sort of developed. And this just goes back to uh, several years ago. And so we, what we have is this, this tool that's been used. It's been somewhat internally invalidated. And so we moved uh, into this national survey, which we conducted uh, a couple years back, which is now has been published, and uh, includes 12 attitude items, um, six knowledge items, three items about institutional practices, meaning this is the disclosure questions. And then we ask a series of demographic items, you know, their age, years of practice, their specialty. We even ask about, do they have friends or family that are LGBTQ? We ask them, you know, estimate the percentage of patients that you believe are uh, LGBTQ population. And we actually get into some sensitive items uh, about political affiliations and religious uh, denominations and preferences. And then we ask two post-survey confidence questions. So we ask these confident questions early on in the survey, and then we ask them at the end to see if once they go through this whole process, so do their confidence about their knowledge regarding um, LGB health and also transgender health to see if these knowledge questions changed. So uh, as, as far as some of the surprising responses or important responses, we found 
um, a high interest in this population uh, in receiving education about the unique health needs of LGBTQ patients. What we found was an attenuated or limited knowledge really about the LGBTQ health needs. And, and, and so we asked a series of questions about, you know, the behavior of this population. You know, there's been data to show that, that the LGBTQ population have higher rates of smoking or less likely to have um, mammography or, or cervical exams. And what we found was that they didn't know or were answering wrong. So that was an important finding. We found a really substantial, significant decrease from the survey assessment to the post-survey assessment about the knowledge for LGB health needs and transgender health needs. And we broke this out in particular because this came out of sort of our formative work. We originally grouped LGBT into one and through this cognitive the briefing process, we realized we needed to break this out. And we actually saw differences in knowledge about LGB health needs versus transgender needs. And of course, we saw the de- decline from the beginning of the survey to the end. Another important and surprising finding was a high agreement regarding the importance of knowing gender identity. Okay, and remember, there's two important aspects of disclosures. There's sexual orientation and gender identity. So we abbreviate that SOGI or SOGI. But despite this high agreement regarding the importance of gender identity, this was contrasted by a low agreement regarding the importance of knowing sexual orientation. Um, so we realize you know, that that is a point that will need you know, additional training and education towards healthcare providers. We did a bunch of what we call sub-analysis where we, you know, we asked all these demographic items. And, and so we did all these sub-analysis to see if there were any differences by, say, uh, having friends or families that are LGBTQ or political affiliation or by their specialty year since graduation, region of the country. And we saw some difference, but they were very limited. So, you know, there was really no big take home message about all these sort of subgroups, um, which was encouraging. Research is a slow train from the formative work to doing analysis and then doing additional analysis and more and more. And some people are frustrated because, you know, it requires so much attention to detail and so painstaking. We're very proud of this work and so glad that it hopefully will make an impact in the near future. All that painstaking effort will, uh, will pay off. The first and most important step is openness to this community and realize that, you know, when we're treating, when clinicians and oncologists and providers are treating a patient, they're not treating the disease, they're treating the patient. And that disclosure of this population is so important. And that's really the next important step after openness to this community is appreciating the importance of, of SOGI information, the sexual orientation and gender identity. And clearly we saw that they realized gender identity was important, but didn't appreciate that sexual orientation was. So, you know, I, I could probably sum this up relatively easy is just providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for the LGBTQ population is so important because this has been a historically marginalized population that absolutely has health disparities, especially in, in, in the cancer domain. Um, and by doing so, this is going to improve um, cancer care outcomes and quality of life for this population. Research is underway right now. Uh, we're conducting um, parallel work examining the attitudes, knowledge, and practice behaviors uh, among nurses. I and mean, that's, that's one group of people um, that we're studying. Separately, we're also looking at advanced practice 
providers such as uh, nurse practitioners and, and so forth. And then also another a third group are the allied health professionals. These are your occupational therapists, physical therapists, radiology techs, et cetera, et cetera. So this work is underway. Uh, I, I don't want to give too much away, but we've done some analysis looking at nurses. We did some formative work and some pilot work, and we're actually finding some really striking uh, differences between when you look at the work we've done in oncologists versus nurses. We, we start seeing some pretty large differences, and I won't give too much away because we're working on that paper, and we'll, we'll hopefully get that published this year. Um, but most importantly, um, which we're, we're really proud of, we have developed an online LGBT cultural competency training focused on uh, communication skill building for oncologists, and we call this COLORS, and this is an acronym for the uh, Curriculum for Oncologists on LGBT Populations to Optimize Relevance and Skills. It's a mouthful, so COLORS. And so the development of this COLORS training was... Um, led by three institutions here in the state of Florida, um, Moffitt Cancer Center, where I'm at, uh, University of Miami, and University of Florida. And this was funded through this initiative that the state of Florida has that partners two or more cancer centers. And this colors training was developed with substantial input from LGBT-serving community partners through cultural competency experts, um, LGBT cancer survivors, of course, um, our researchers um, and, and domain experts, and of course, oncologists were at the table as well. So part of the, um, this, this, in this process of developing this colors training, we actually conducted a, a pilot study um, where we recruited oncologists from our three cancer centers, from, from uh, Moffitt, Miami, and uh, University of Florida, to uh, participate in our training. Um, and it's a two-hour-long web-based training with four different modules. Again, I don't want to give too much away because we are writing a paper and it'll be published here in 2019, but we found some intriguing results that suggest that oncologists that participate in our training exhibit significant improvements in knowledge and attitudes of the LGBTQ population. Based on the preliminary data, we are now um, looking to seek funding to conduct a nationwide assessment of colors. Much like we did uh, a nationwide study of the survey, we now want to roll this out and do a very large nationwide study um, comparing um, our colors training to a standardized training out there to see if, if we see market improvements using this. And the goal would be then to make this a CME credit online training that'd be available to um, oncologists for free.